So does the hall create all this stuff? Arwen asked, who had just put on a new set of clothes. She had realized that in her excitement to follow Strider, she had neglected to pack. He had solved the problem simply enough, or rather the hall had, by providing a room for her to change in, as well as a new outfit. Not at all, Strider responded. So where does it come from? Haven't you ever lost a sock in the dryer? A sock, sure, but a jacket? Or a couch? I've collected things throughout the years. Right, said Arwen. She studied Strider. He was again scrolling through the orbs, looking for the right world. And how many years is that? she asked. That's unimportant, he said. Arwen huffed and collapsed into the couch that appeared beneath her. She was growing tired of Strider's mysteries. I've been wondering, she started. You do that a lot, said Strider. I've been wondering, she said again, ignoring the jab. How is it that different worlds have different timelines? And how is it that you or I or anyone could be alive at different times? I don't understand the question. If you were alive in my world during the 21st century, why is it that you were already born in the 1800s when we got to New London? That doesn't seem very parallel to me. Two lines can start at different points and never cross, he said. What? Strider sighed. Back in your world, he said, scientists had this idea that the universe was always expanding, right? Right. And if that's true of one world, might it be true of all of them? And might it also be true of the multiverse? So the hall is always expanding. Correct, he said. Infinite, remember? There are worlds being born all the time, and worlds that have yet to be born, and worlds that are dying. And they don't always start the same. Sometimes people come earlier, sometimes later, sometimes not at all. There are alternate realities in which the planets are all very different, or light behaves differently, or the people aren't people. There are worlds where I'm born early, according to your timeline, and there are worlds where I'm born late, or there are worlds where I'm not born at all. I see, said Arwen. Would you like to? Strider asked. What do you mean? You say you see, that is, you understand, but would you like to see? Didn't I? We went to a world that was almost 200 years behind mine. 200 years is nothing. I'm talking about the real differences in time. I'm talking about big bangs and super volcanoes. I'm talking prehistoric man or pre-man entirely. I'm talking walking with dinosaurs. Arwen thought on this. What about your search? she asked. Strider shrugged. The hall isn't bringing me anything right now. But a prehistoric world? He snapped his fingers and an orb came drifting over. That's easy. Arwen looked at the orb. She was not reflected in it, and neither was he. All right, she said. Why not? That's the spirit. He grabbed her hand. Ready? Ready. Arwen thought she was getting used to the shock of moving between worlds. The instant change in atmosphere was always mildly jarring, but she could prepare for it. She was not prepared for this. Soon as she was out of the hall, she was buffeted by a furnace and drenched by mist. No, it wasn't mist. The air was just that humid, and the smell, pungent, would be putting it lightly. It was like a greenhouse on steroids, with aromatic florals stronger than any perfume, and the musky scent of dirt. It was beautiful, though. They were in a sea of green, giant ferns and trees that stretched higher than she thought possible. There were explosions of color, too. Bright red flowers with blue pistols, huge purple pods hanging from plants that towered over her head, and smatterings of yellow petals all about. I should have changed, said Strider. He was fanning himself. Arwen couldn't imagine a suit in this weather. 
Her own clothes were already sticking to her with sweat. Even so, she smiled. This is incredible, she said. Just you wait, Strider said with a wink. We haven't even met the locals yet. He set off through the thick jungle and beckoned for her to follow. Arwen heard movement, a rustle of branches, a snapping of twigs, but she couldn't see anything. It wasn't until they pushed into a clearing that she got her first glimpse of life on this world. Dinosaurs. There were actual dinosaurs there before her. She and Strider were atop a cliff, and below them sat a crystal lake where herds were drinking. Some of the dinosaurs she recognized, others seemed strange. Maybe they were unique to this world, or maybe she just wasn't a paleontologist. Would you like to get closer? Strider asked. Is that a good idea? I'm pretty sure they're herbivores, he said. Oh, pretty sure. Well, that fills me with confidence. We can always retreat to the hall if needed. Come on. How often do you get to pet a dinosaur? They made their way down the cliff. As they approached the watering hole, many of the dinosaurs gave them sideways glances, but none seemed to mind. Arwen wasn't sure what she expected. It didn't make much sense for a creature of that size to spook like a horse. Hello, gentlemen, Strider said, tipping an imaginary hat to a pair of grazing triceratops. Beautiful day, isn't it? Arwen laughed. It really was a beautiful day, especially here down by the water. The Jurassic heat didn't seem nearly so bad, and the company of dinosaurs was more majestic than even the stateliest elephants. It was surreal. The serenity of the moment was shattered when a roar sounded from the jungle. All the dinosaurs grazing looked up, startled. Then the stampede started. Come on, said Strider, grabbing Arwen's hand. Wait, where are we going? He was pulling her towards the jungle, not away from it. Aren't you the least bit curious, he said. Aren't you the least bit sane, she demanded, tearing free from his grip. We're running towards that thing? Strider pulled the mirror out of his pocket and gave it a twirl. Just a quick peek. We'll be gone in no time, safe and sound, back in the hall. What do you say? Well, there's no way that can go wrong. Oh, come on, he insisted. We escaped a werewolf, and that one was actually looking for us. You don't think we can jump into the hall faster than a T-Rex can find us? You really think that was a T-Rex? Or maybe something bigger, he grinned. He was enjoying this way too much. All right, fine, but once we see it, we're out of here, okay? Okay. Just then, another roar sounded, louder this time. Follow me, said Strider. They crept into the jungle. They didn't have to go far before they heard the thrashing of the beast. It sounded like a bulldozer leveling a forest. There was another roar, but they still couldn't see anything for the density of the jungle. They pushed through the underbrush, and Arwen gasped, not because of the sheer size of the creature, but because of the surprise that met them. There was a T-Rex, all right, but it was not alone. It roared and thrashed against... a net? It looked like a net, but it was not made of rope or any physical material. It was an energy mesh that pinned the creature to the ground. Beyond it, there were men. They were standing on a floating metal platform and firing weapons at the beast, rifles that flashed with a sound one might hear on a synthesizer. Each time they fired, more mesh covered the beast. What are they? Arwen said. What are they doing? I really wish I knew, said Strider. I hate not knowing. But by all accounts, they shouldn't be here. It's secure, sir, one of the men shouted over the cries of the struggling titan. Send it home, boys. One of the men pulled a device from a holster. It looked like a bulky remote control. He pressed a button on it and a yellow beam of light shot out, hitting the T-Rex. It writhed in agony and Arwen watched with a morbid fascination as the creature disintegrated. 
She and Strider were both so distracted by what was happening that they failed to notice one of the men on the platform turning to them. Sir, he said, and the one in charge turned to look. Well, 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 he said. Looks like we have ourselves a couple of butterflies. Better bring them back with us. Before either of them could do anything, the remote was pointed at them. The beam of light shot out. Arwen looked over and saw Strider disappearing. She looked down at her own vanishing feet, and before she could cry out, everything went black. Hall of Mirrors, Episode 3, Land After Time A bright light snapped on, blinding Arwen. She blinked and tried to raise a hand to her face, only to find that she was handcuffed to a chair. She struggled against her bonds. Do you know why you are here? came a voice from beyond the light. Arwen could not see who it was. I don't even know where here is, she said. You and your friend are in strict violation of time code 101-C. Time code? You have the right to hear the charges against you. Do you wish to proceed? Um, sure. You were found trespassing in time and are charged with historical contamination and intent to disrupt the timeline. How do you plead? Is this an interrogation or a trial? Arwen asked. I don't have to plead anything. There was a pause. You will be brought to the Chronicler, the voice said. She will decide your fate. The light shut off. The next thing Arwen knew, she was standing in a room. She had no recollection of going there, only a nauseous feeling in her stomach. The room reminded her of a lecture hall at an old college, with raised seats all around her. The seats were filled with onlookers, and in the center, on a raised dais, was a woman in a long red dress, covered in what looked like scales. She wore a hat that was almost a foot tall and looked like horns. Nice of you to pop in. Arwen turned. Strider was standing beside her. He, like her, had his hands handcuffed behind his back. Where are we? I have my suspicions, he said. But they're... improbable. Silence! They both looked up. The woman on the dais had not shouted. In fact, she had hardly raised her voice at all. But in that room, all was still and her voice carried the same edge as an executioner's blade. "'You have both been informed of your charges,' she said. "'How do you plead?' "'Absolutely not guilty,' said Strider immediately. "'Historical contamination? What am I, a parasite?' "'You are unauthorized to travel,' the woman said. "'Furthermore, you are not on a path. Contaminating the past can have disastrous effects. The death of a single butterfly can change the course of history. Are you aware of this?' "'To be fair,' said Strider, we were actually where we were supposed to be. Or perhaps I should say when we were supposed to be. If anyone is altering the timeline, it's you. How do you plead? The woman narrowed her eyes. She then turned to Arwen. What do you have to say for yourself? Not much that hasn't been said already, Arwen said. I don't even know where we are. Your memories will be analyzed, said the woman. If you have anything to tell us, now would be a good time. It's less pleasant when we have to find the truth for ourselves. Probe all you want, said Strider. You'll be a bit confused, I'm sure, but you won't find any guilt here. Have you checked your records? The Keeper has compared his records to mine, and I have looked them over. The histories that were sent with our hunting party still match the histories we have in this city. Nothing has been changed. You see, said Strider, no harm done. That remains to be seen, said the woman. There's still much we must know. How did you come to be in that time? You were lucky you did not alter history, but you may still be charged with illegal possession of a time machine. Well, we don't have a time machine, you see. We're from that time. Glad we got that cleared up. 
Our histories show no hominids alive on Earth during that time. How did you get there? We were just passing through. Do not play games with me, the woman said. I am the chronicler. It is my duty to preserve our histories and make sure they are intact. You are not part of our histories, that's a little mean, Strider mumbled. So where did you come from? Strider looked at Arwen. He rolled his eyes and shook his head. Then, after an overly dramatic sigh, he addressed the woman. Miss Chronicler, ma'am, you may find this hard to believe, but I am not of this world. And I wasn't of this world when you found me a million years ago. Like I said, we were just passing through. Explain. Imagine a house, you see. Strider, Arwen interrupted. Maybe you should just show them. Show them? I'm not letting these people into my hall. Strider. Arwen gave him a knowing look. He smiled. Right. Very well. Madam Chronicler, he said, turning back to the woman. When I was so unceremoniously brought here, you and yours took advantage of my reatomization to confiscate something from me. Anything deemed unnecessary or dangerous in confinement was taken, yes, said the woman. Well, I had a piece of jewelry, a pocket mirror attached to a silver chain. What of it? That mirror contains all my secrets. If you bring it to me, I can clear all this nonsense up in no time. The chronicler frowned. She looked suspicious. It's a mirror, Strider said. It's not like I'm asking you to give my friend her gun back, though I'm sure she does miss it. Bring me his mirror, the chronicler said. It only took a moment. Something started glowing on the dais, and then suddenly the mirror was there. The chronicler grabbed it and fiddled with the clasp for a bit. If I may, said Strider. It takes the right touch to get it open. The chronicler was becoming increasingly agitated, but she motioned to a guard. He came over and grabbed Strider by the arms, leading him off his teleporting platform. He was led to the dais, and the chronicler held out the mirror for him. He looked back over his shoulder at his cuffed hands. The chronicler nodded to the guard, and he unlocked Strider's cuffs. Thank you, he said, rubbing his wrists. May I? He took the mirror from the chronicler. Every eye was watching him. He looked over at Arwen. Be back in a jiffy, he said with a wink and opened the mirror. Nothing happened. Arwen's heart stopped. Strider's cocky smile faded into shock as he looked at the mirror and realized he wasn't going into the hall. He snapped it shut and tried again. He looked at Arwen. Plan B, he said. Everything seemed to happen all at once and it wasn't until later that Arwen was able to appreciate the minutiae of what went down. Strider unexpectedly elbowed the guard standing behind him, causing him to clutch his face as he fell backwards. The chronicler called out, though what she said could not be made out over the general din of the courtroom. Strider crossed over to Arwen in three leaping steps and pushed her hard. As she fell backwards, a beam of light emanated from the pad she had just been standing on. Strider pulled her to her feet, and they were running. The two guards blocked the exit. Stand back, Strider shouted, holding out his mirror. They paused just long enough for Arwen to lower her shoulder and bowl one of them over. Strider took care of the other one, and they were out the door. The courtroom opened into a long hall filled with people going about their business. Arwen was surprised by how much it resembled a courthouse back in her world, in her time. None of the lawyers or clients expected a pair of defendants to burst into the hall, so most all of them responded with screams of surprise as they leapt to the side. This general chaos provided the perfect escape for the two of them. Arwen heard pursuers, but dared not look back. They would have to deal with the confused mob anyway. Outside the courthouse was a stairway. Arwen would have liked to have taken the view, for the courthouse seemed to be raised above much of the city, and she could make out the skyline of this futurescape. 
Towering structures were covered in neon lights that bathed the streets below in a garish light, and cars zipped this way and that through the air. That was really all she had time to see as they focused on descending the massive staircase. Once on the streets, Arwen's heart lifted for the crowds were plentiful here. It would be easy for them to lose their pursuers. And so it was. After shoving past a sea of people and taking a myriad of random turns, they were able to duck into an alley for a brief respite. Here, said Strider, holding up a ring of keys. Let me get those for you. Thanks, said Arwen. He undid her handcuffs. Well, they've made a right mess of things, haven't they? Strider said. They? Aren't we the ones on the run? Yes, but they're the ones who took us from our time and broke my mirror. For all their tuck preserving the time stream, they are not doing a very good job at all. So it's broken. No, I just thought it would be more fun to run the old-fashioned way. Arwen glared at him and held out her hand. May I? Just don't lose it again, detective, he said, opening the mirror and handing it over to her. She looked at it. It seemed fine. There were no cracks in the glass and the metal, while worn, still had a shine to it. But all that was reflected in it was her own face and the alley behind her. When she looked up, Strider was still there, and they were not in the Hall of Mirrors. What happened, she asked, handing it back to him. Why doesn't it work? I have a theory, he said, though I don't like it. When he didn't say more, Arwen changed the subject. Now what? Well, we have two options. We can remain here as fugitives, which, thrilling as that sounds, is not my cup of tea, especially if I can't get into the hall. How boring would that be? I mean, that was most of my life until I met you. Right. Like I said, how boring. Arwen stuck her tongue out at him, but he ignored it and pressed on. Our other option is to find a time machine, go back to our own time, and hope that it will sort itself out. My guess is the mirror will work again a million years ago. Great, so now we just need to find a time machine. Should be simple, right? In a world where time travel is possible but strictly regulated so that people don't muck up the timeline? Oh sure, I'm sure they have tons of time machines just lying around. Charming as your sarcasm is, it's not helping. Strider sighed. Fine. Clearly what we need to do is find out where they, he motioned in the general direction of the courthouse they had just fled, keep their time machines. Then we just need to sneak in, steal one, and hope we know how to drive it. Or maybe we could convince someone to take us. These don't seem like the type to be easily convinced. I mean, convince, said Arwen. Strider looked at her and raised an eyebrow. Detective? Now that's a side of you I like. Don't get used to it, she said. I'm just thinking practically here. We don't want to hurt anyone. Speak for yourself. Arwen rolled her eyes. Let's get going. It took longer than either of them would have liked to get where they were going. They both decided that since they were in the future, they should be able to find out where they needed to go rather easily by searching the web. Unfortunately, as this was both a different world and a different time, the signs were all strange and it took them forever to find an internet cafe, or a javanet as it was called in this world, but an hour later they were huddled in the corner of a small shop doing their best to navigate the holographic screen. You're typing too hard, Strider said. Your fingers are going through the keyboard and it's messing it up. Do you want to try it? You'll have to hold my tea. I don't know who thought it was a good idea to get rid of tables in the future. I don't know who thought it was a good idea to order tea when we're on the run. Listen, that guy at the counter is like 12. You think he watches the news? He has no idea who we are. He's going to finish his shift at this coffee shop, go home to his tiny 50th floor apartment where he lives with his mom, and smoke space weed or something to relax. Arwen snorted. Space weed? Really? It's the future, I don't know. Okay, here we go. 
Arwen had found precisely what she was looking for, the history of time travel. She skimmed through it. Invented in 3862, outlawed the following year, brought back ten years later under strict laws. Let's see. One must acquire a Class 18 permit in order to file a request, yada yada yada. Requests must be approved one month before departure date, arrive three hours early for processing, and great. Here we are. Strider looked over her shoulder at the screen. Really? A chronoport? Who came up with that name? It sounds ridiculous. But that's where we need to go. Does this thing have GPS? Arwen tapped Chronoport into the search bar, and to her delight, a familiar-looking map screen appeared with red arrows indicating the nearest ones. Well, I guess that's it, said Arwen. Anything else we need before we go? I'd like to finish my tea. I meant as far as a plan goes. Are we just winging it? That's how I do most things. Works pretty well. Except when it gets us here. Strider shrugged and downed the rest of his tea. We'll figure it out on the way. Let's go. As they left the crowded shop onto the even more crowded streets, Strider pulled out his mirror and started fiddling with it. What are you doing? Arwen asked. Don't you think getting into the hall would be incredibly advantageous for our current quest? If we get into the hall, aren't we set? We wouldn't even need the time machine. For the last time, I cannot travel through time. The hall does not travel through time. Right, but we'd be free of this world, and still a million years in the future. If we go into the hall, it will be different. Every world will be different. Doesn't each world have its own timeline? Well, sure, but every planet also revolves at its own pace, but they still revolve together. What do you mean? asked Arwen. If Pluto, that's what it's called in your world, right? If it suddenly changed its rotation and changed its orbit, what would happen? I don't know. Great, neither do I. But that's not the point. The point is, it orbits the way it does because of the way things are. The universe is a big fan of harmony. Your Earth circles the sun in a year, give or take. Pluto takes longer, but things are balanced. If Jupiter were to disappear, for example, things would likely change. What's that to do with the hall? Everything is balanced, even if it's not the same. If we went a million years into the future in this world, there's a good chance your world is also in the future. Maybe not a million years, but a thousand, or maybe ten million. My point is, the hall does not stand still, and neither do the worlds. If we get back into it, we still won't be in the right timeline. We have to go back. Oh, said Arwen. That said, it would still be nice to be able to use the hall, said Strider, returning to his fiddling. He breathed on the glass of the mirror and polished it with his sleeve. Come on, he muttered. Work! He smacked the back of the mirror. Strider, Arwen said, reaching out and touching his shoulder. Then everything went dark. The world around them disappeared, and it was just them. They were in the hall. Aha, Strider said. We did it! Honey, I'm home! He reached out his arms, as if asking the air for a hug. He looked at his hand, expecting to see something there. Hello, he said. He waved his hand back and forth. Come on, I just need my cane. Um, Strider? Armin said, tapping on his shoulder. He turned to look at where she was pointing. The first thing she had realized upon entering the hall was how dark it was. There were very few lights, and all of them very far away. Even when Strider spoke, none came closer. It was this darkness that made her miss the figure at first, but now she could see it, just barely. There was someone else in the hall. They had their back turned, and even when Strider spoke, they had not turned around. Arwen called out to them. Hello? She said. The figure moved, turning their head. 
It was too dark to see their face, and before they could turn completely around, Arwen felt a churning in her stomach as if she were walking downstairs and missed a step. She stumbled forward. They were back on the street. She turned to Strider. He was pale and staring at the space where the figure would be standing if they were still in the hall. Strider. What was that? He didn't say anything, but continued staring, frozen in place. Strider. He shook his head as if waking from a dream and looked at her. We need to go, he said. As they made their way down the street, a woman stepped out of the crowd in front of them. She had dark hair and a leather trench coat and was smoking a cigarette. Fancy trick you just pulled there, she said. If I didn't know any better, I'd say you two just popped out of the time stream. Arwen and Strider exchanged a quick glance and prepared to run, but the woman held up her hand. Easy now. I said if I didn't know any better. As a matter of fact, I do know better. You two don't have a time machine, which is a real shame because I could use one. Arwen and Strider said nothing. The woman laughed. Paranoid bunch, aren't we? Well, I guess running from the law can do that to you. She motioned up with her cigarette. Strider and Arwen looked where she was pointing. There was a floating billboard, and on it was a hologram of their faces. It was just there for a moment before the screen switched to an ad for some futuristic extreme sport called Dino Fight. Now, continued the woman, it seems you and I can help each other out. You want a time machine? I want a time machine? How do you know we're looking for a time machine? Arwen asked. Just because the barista is too high on space weed to notice you two doesn't mean nobody overhears the conversations that go on in a coffee shop. You've been following us, said Arwen. I have, and I thought I lost you for a minute there when you vanished just now. Care to tell me what that was about? Arwen was silent, and Strider just scowled. All right, said the woman. You got secrets, so do I. Fine by me. So what do you say? You want to grab a time machine together? We've already got a plan, said Strider. We don't need your help. Right. You're just going to walk into the nearest chronoport and take one. I heard. You ever been to a chronoport? Both of them were silent. Didn't think so. If you think airport security is bad, you're in for a real treat. Fortunately for you, I know a guy on the inside. So why do you need us? The temporal displacement nullifier, said the woman. What? said Arwen. Go on, said Strider. The woman sighed. Time travel isn't as easy as go there and do that. The time stream is real touchy. If we're going back in time, we need something from the past on board, or else the turbulence could throw us off course. And we'd be lost in time, Strider said. Exactly, said the woman. Stuck in an infinite loop, erased from existence, you know, all that fun stuff. So you want us on board to smooth out your ride, Arwen said? More or less. I mean, I was going to steal a fossil from the archives, but then you two fell right into my lap. Seems a lot easier this way. So what do you say? Arwen looked to Strider. Sounds great to me, he said. Give us a minute, Arwen said, and pulled Strider off to the side. You really think this is a good idea? She asked. It's better than winging it, he said. Right, but who is she and can we trust her? I don't know and of course we can't. However, she's not lying. Whatever she wants the time machine for is none of our business, but she does need us. If she tries to strand us somewhere, she won't be able to use the time machine. How do you know she's telling the truth? Because she knows I'd find out. What? Listen to her. She's smart. A bit of a show-off. Sounds familiar, Arwen said. Exactly, said Strider. We smell our own. If she assumes I'm half as smart as I actually am, she wouldn't dare try to lie to me. That sounds an awful lot like hubris to me. Okay, fine. So we don't trust her and we steal the time machine ourselves. Is that a better plan? Arwen thought about this. 
Either way, it's a risk, said Strider. I'm just calculating our chances. I say we go with it. Arwen looked back at the woman. Fine, she said. I don't like it, but we'll do it. I'm keeping an eye on her, though, and if something goes wrong, I'll never hear the end of it, I'm sure. Now let's get out of this place. They returned to the woman. We'll go with you, Arwen said, but you'll have to let us in on your plan. Of course, said the woman. And, Arwen continued, we're only with you until we get back to our time. We can't follow you everywhere. The woman shrugged. That's fine by me. I'll drop you off and pick up something that can help smooth out the ride from there. Now, when do you need to get to? I... Arwen started, then turned to Strider. What year were we in? An excellent question, he said. I forgot to pick up a calendar while we were there. The woman sighed. No matter. We can scan you and get the time coordinates that way. Assuming you're really not from now. Oh, I assure you, said Strider. We are not. Great, said the woman. Well, let's take care of that first. I know a guy. We'll get you scanned real quick and then be on our way. Follow me. Hey, Alice, who are your friends? Travelers, said the woman. She had brought Arwen and Strider into a dingy building that looked like a pawn shop, but Arwen couldn't really tell what most of the wares were. Then again, it was the future, and the only thing that looked familiar was the TV behind the burly man at the counter. They need a scan. They don't know where they're from. Don't know where you're from, said the man. You got amnesia or something? No, we got abducted, said Arwen. Some guy called us butterflies and zapped us to the future. Well, to now. The man nodded. Right. Butterflies is what them time agents call non-regulation travelers, on account of the butterfly effect and all. He started digging around behind the counter. Could someone really mess up the time stream that badly? Alwyn asked. Someone did, said Alice. Except they did it on purpose. How do you think people on top got there? The Chronicler? Arwen asked. Alice nodded. She talks about maintaining records, but really she's making sure nobody screws up her plans. She spent a long time shaping the future into something she'd like. How do you know all this? Strider asked. Whispers here and there, she responded. I told you I got a guy on the inside. A couple of keepers really like to blab when drunk. I know more about the time agents than they probably know about themselves. Which is why you know about the temporal displacement nullifier, Arwen asked. Strider looked at her with a raised eyebrow. I'm impressed. Don't be. You're not the only one who pays attention. Yes, said Alice. I've never flown a time machine before, but I know all about how they work. Got secret schematics, the whole shebang. All I've needed is the nullifier, but most things from before time travel was invented are locked up in the agent's archives, and a nullifier is only as good as its age. Well, you're in luck then, said Strider, because we're going way back. You'll have plenty of time to roam around in. Great, Alice said. You got it, Mitch? Yeah, this is the one, he said, pulling out an object that looked like an old projector. Haven't used it in a while, but it should be fine. Stand there, if you will. Arwen stepped to where he was indicating. He flipped a switch on the projector-looking thing, and a beam of light shot out. It hit Arwen's feet, and then moved all the way up to her head. The scanner started beeping. Sorry, Mitch said. It's old. He smacked it, and the beeping stopped. Let's try again. He scanned her again, and again the machine started beeping. What is it, Mitch? Alice asked. Well, it's saying... That's strange. I ain't never seen this before. It's saying she don't have chronosomes. Chromosomes? Arwen tried to correct him. Chronosomes, Alice said. Time particles. Don't be ridiculous, Mitch. Everything has chronosomes, especially someone from another time. I mean, I could try the guy, said Mitch. I'm just telling you what the machine says. 
That won't be necessary, said Strider. He sighed. I'm afraid it might come to this. Come to what? asked Arwen. Well, isn't it obvious? said Strider. We don't have chronosomes in this world because we're not from this world. You're not what now? Alice asked. A long story, Strider said. The point is, you can't use us to find out where we need to go. Great, said Arwen. Now what? Well, obviously we use something else. Sorry to say, pal, Alice got in, but I doubt the mud on your shoes has any chronosomes on it. You've been trekking around in this time too much. I was thinking of something a little bigger than mud, Strider said. He pointed to the TV behind Mitch. Arwen looked at the ad that had just appeared. Oh no, she said. The stadium reminded Arwen of a monster truck rally. That is to say, it was impossibly loud and smelled chiefly of cigarettes and cheap beer. I hate this place, said Strider. You mean this place or the future in general? Arwen asked. Yes, he replied. Well, it's a good thing you both are going home then, said Alice. Now can we hurry? This thing is heavy. She was carrying the scanner Mitch had used. They found a chance to break off from the slow-moving crowds that were filing into the stands and began looking for a service entrance. The plan was simple enough. Get below the stadium, scan the dinosaur, and get out. Breaking into the chronoport would be the hard part. Here we go, said Arwen, stepping outside a door that read Authorized Personnel Only. How are your lockpicking skills? Well, it's been a while, said Strider, cracking his knuckles, but I can give it a go. Before he could give it a go, Alice pushed past him and brought the scanner down on the door handle with a crash. What? she said with a shrug. It's an electronic lock. You can't pick it. They passed through the door into the dim hallway. Security here sucks, said Arwen. Most are watching the drunks in the stand, said Alice. Besides, not a lot of people are too keen to break into a dinosaur holding pen. I suppose the creatures provide plenty of security for themselves, Strider said. They sure do, said Alice. Come on. The hall took them to a staircase that wound down for at least two stories. As they descended, the air became noticeably hotter. At the base of the stairs was another door. Pushing past this one, they found themselves in the holding cells. The walls were bathed with an orange glow, and all around them were massive cages. There were at least a dozen beasts sleeping within them. They keep them sedated, Alice whispered, for obvious reasons. Do you know which one is yours? Bill Cafella, pointy teeth, said Strider. You know him? Alice rolled her eyes. Check the tags on the cages. They should have the arrival date. As they crept past the cages, a voice boomed overhead. It was the announcer in the stands. Ladies and gentlemen, are you ready for a good time? There was an uproarious applause. Tonight you will witness ancient wonders, the voice went on, but the three didn't care about that anymore. A door on the other side of the room had opened, and a man came out. All right, my beauties, he said, rise and shine. He walked over to one of the cages and hit a switch beside it. The cage started to lift into the air on a platform as the ceiling above it opened up. He fiddled with a device on his wrist, and a metal disc on the dinosaur's head lit up. The beast awoke with a start. It started roaring and screaming. As it breached the surface, there was an eruption of cheers. We better move quick, Alice said. The caretaker was lifting cages one by one. Each time the light from the arena filtered in, Arwen cast a glance at the dinosaur on the lift. So far, none were a T-Rex. There were only half the cages left, though. Here it is, said Strider. You're sure, Alice asked. Positive. Scan it quickly. Farmer John is on his way. Right. Be ready to run. Alice placed the scanner on the ground beside the cage and pressed the button. The bright light shone out and scanned the sleeping dinosaur within. Arwen glanced nervously at the caretaker, but he was too busy watching the next cage ascend to notice the light. You've got to be kidding me, Alice muttered. Arwen turned to her. 
What is it? The damn scanner picked up the cage, too. It's interfering with the chronosomes. I gotta do it again. She scooted closer to the cage and stuck the lens of the machine between the bars. She pressed the button to start the scan, but just then the cage started moving. It was going up. They were all going up. Arwen, Strider, and Alice were all on the same platform that pushed the cage up. The T-Rex snapped open its eyes. It let out a deafening roar and started thrashing about. Alice jumped back just in time, but the scanner was crushed. Son of a, she cried out. Oh, come on, said Strider. He looked about quickly, yelled, I hate this place, and leapt off the platform. Strider, Arwen called, but she was too late. The platform reached the arena and the floor closed, blocking them off from the room below. King of the dinosaurs, the announcer was saying. The crowd cheered. Arwen looked to Alice. She seemed just as lost. There was a flash of light and they both turned just in time to see the cages vanish. All the dinosaurs were free. The T-Rex reared up to its full height and roared, almost stepping on Arwen. Alice tackled her out of the way just in time. What do we do now, Arwen said. She had to shout for all the roaring, both from the beasts and the crowd. Hell if I know, Alice shouted back. Look out, Arwen shouted, but it was too late. The T-Rex had seen them and its jaws came crashing down, ready to snap shut on them both. Except they didn't snap shut. The beast froze a foot above their heads. It slowly stood up and closed its mouth. A hush fell over the crowd. Arwen looked around. All of the dinosaurs were behaving strangely. They had become instantly docile. Arwen and Alice both turned at the sound of a rising platform. The floor opened up to reveal Strider, nonchalantly whistling as he tapped on the device now around his wrist. Ladies and gentlemen, he said when the platform reached the arena floor. His voice carried through the silent stadium. The show is over. Thank you for your time. He turned to Arwen and Alice. We're getting out of here. Come on, girl. A few more taps on the device to his wrist, and the T-Rex lowered its head. He climbed up. Coming, he said to them. They exchanged a look and then climbed up behind him. By this time, security had arrived in the form of drones. A voice emanated from all of them at once. You are under arrest. Disembark from the dinosaur and surrender the controller immediately. I think not, Strider mumbled as he fiddled with the wrist device. Hold on, he said. Arwen and Alice barely had time to do so before the T-Rex lashed out. It snapped at the nearest drone, crushing it in a splintering of sparks and metal. It swung its tail, knocking another drone out of the air. And here we go, said Strider, entering another command. All the dinosaurs around them went into a frenzy, charging the stands. The crowd, who had been eagerly watching this strange yet enticing turn of events, went into a panic and tried to flee. It was chaos. Hi-ho, Silver! Strider called as the T-Rex charged the exit. There's a massive steel gate barring their way. It didn't stand a chance before the T-Rex. Out on the street, they were met by a score of flying police cars. These did not offer the same warning as the drones, but just opened fire. Arwen almost slid off the back of the T-Rex as she ducked out of the way of the oncoming fire. Strider turned the beast so it could take the brunt of the blast. It roared in anger, but showed no sign of slowing. Any chance you can point us in the direction of the chronoport? He called over his shoulder. About a mile that way, Alice said. Better let your guy on the inside know we're coming, Strider said as he steered the dinosaur in that direction. Oh, they'll be ready, said Alice, pulling out what looked like a cell phone. The massive strides of the T-Rex took them the mile in about three minutes. All the while, they were pursued by the police, but the high-rise buildings made it difficult for more than two or three of the flying cars to get close to them, and their small arms seemed to do little to deter the beast. There it is, said Alice, pointing to a massive domed structure. There are pads on the tarmac designed for large cargo. Let's get this thing onto one of those and send it back, then we could follow its coordinates. 
Sounds good to me, said Strider. Come on, girl, not far now, he said, patting the dinosaur on the neck. There was more security at the compound, but the dinosaur bowled through it. There, said Alice, indicating a platform about the size of a helipad. My guy will meet us there. Strider steered the dinosaur to the pad. He used his wrist controller to make it kneel down so they could slide off. Alice ran over to a console on the side of the pad. Better make it fast, Arwen said. The flashing lights of the flying police cars were closing in. It's already done, Alice said. Stand back. Strider and Arwen stepped off the platform just as she hit a switch. It lit up, surrounding the dinosaur in a beam of light. Then it vanished. And here we are, said Alice. Strider and Arwen turned just in time to see a small capsule land behind them. It reminded Arwen of a moon lander. The door slid open and they followed Alice inside. Thanks, Chess, Alice said. Arwen looked around. The ship was empty. Where's your guy? she asked. Is there anything else I can do for you, Miss Alice? The voice came from all around the cabin. Track the coordinates on that platform, ASAP, Alice said. As you wish, said the voice. Alice turned to the others and smiled. Chess is an AI, she said. So when you said you had a guy on the inside, said Strider. I meant inside the mainframe, she said with a wink. Planted him there ages ago. Brilliant, said Strider. Just then the machines shook. The police were firing. Chess, Alice asked. Coordinates locked. Do you have a temporal displacement nullifier on board? Two of them, as a matter of fact. Just do it. Time jump initiated. Arwen wasn't really sure what to expect. She braced herself like she would on a plane about to take off, but the churning in her stomach was not there. It felt like nothing was happening at all except the sounds of the gunfire from outside all at once ceased. You have arrived at your destination, Chess said. The door to the capsule slid open, and warm green light filtered in. Arwen looked outside. They were in the jungle. Arwen and Strider ran outside just in time to see the tail of the T-Rex disappearing between the trees. We made it, Arwen said. Think it's time to get out of here, Strider said, holding up the mirror. Wait, said Arwen. She turned back to the pod. Alice was leaning against the doorway, her arms crossed, a cigarette in her mouth. This is the place, she said. This is the place, said Arwen. Thank you. Ah, don't mention it. You'll be all right? Sure, said Alice. She reached down and picked up a stone from the ground. This thing should be covered in chronosomes from this time. It'll stabilize me, no problem. Where will you go? You mean when? Alice asked, sticking out her tongue. The Chronicler did a lot to screw things up. I need to start with her, but I have to be careful. Butterfly effect and all. But Chess is pretty bright. He can run diagnostics, predict outcomes, all of it. Even so, I've got my work cut out for me. Well, good luck, said Arwen. Yes, said Strider, and thank you. Alice waved the things away. You guys good from here? How are you getting out of this place? Strider held up the mirror. We've got a few tricks up our sleeves. We'll be fine. Alice cocked an eyebrow, but she didn't question it. All right. Well, I guess this is goodbye. With that, she ducked into her time machine. The entire thing glowed brightly before disappearing. Shall we? Strider asked, holding up the mirror. Yes, said Arwen. Let's go home. Thanks everyone for tuning in to this week's episode. Stay tuned for a sneak peek at next week's adventure. All of Mirrors is written and produced by Sam Schultz, with the main theme composed and performed by him as well. Each week brings you a new adventure of Arwen and Strider as they journey through the multiverse, protecting it from various threats from within and beyond. New episodes air every Friday at 1pm on anchor.fm slash hallofmirrors. 
Links can also be found on Facebook, Tumblr, and Twitter. For a text version of each episode, check out my Tumblr blog, and please like and follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. There's a link to all of those in the description. Thanks again, and I'll see you next week. Next time on Hall of Mirrors, Paradise Found. Arwen devises a plan to help find Strider's killer faster. At first, it seems successful when they arrive in a utopian world with a living copy of Strider. But it soon becomes clear why this version of Strider is still alive, and the reason proves far more sinister than either of them anticipated.